Hello, Wine World. Thaddeus Bugs with the Minority Wine Report in the podcast, Wine in Black and White. I'm in Livermore Valley uh, interviewing some very uh, interesting winemakers and owners of wineries. And the next winemaker is Lisa Lee. Um, she's at Charles R. Winery? Uh, Charles R. Vineyards. Charles R. Vineyards here in Livermore Valley. And she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and how she got into this crazy game of making really good juices, I say. Thanks for having me, Thaddeus. Um, so I've been with Charles R. since 2018. This was la- this last harvest was my fourth harvest there. I got into wine in a, just before 2010, um, but to get there was sort of a very roundabout uh, path, as it is for many of us in the wine world. Um, my first job out of college actually was a deputy sheriff for <laughs> Santa Cruz wow, County. Really? <laughs> yeah. <That's interesting>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, okay. it didn't take me too long to realize um, it's not a great personality <laughs> fit because I'm one who doesn't really enjoy conflict. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually grew up in a restaurant family. And uh, so the restaurant was always, you know, the cornerstone of everything we did as a family. My grandparents are Italian immigrants, and one of my grandfather's dreams was always to make wine. Um, So in the early 80s, they bought a vineyard property in Sonoma, and they only ever grew and sold the grapes. They never made their own wine. Um, Fast forward to, you know, the early 2000s. Uh, My wife and I got into wine and started to really love wine and appreciate it and got so excited about it. It it got to the point where she said, you know, do you want to try and turn this into a career or see if you can actually get paid to do all this work that you're volunteering your time? Um, And so when I went to my grandparents and said, hey, I think I'd like to learn how to make wine, they were absolutely thrilled. Um, we lived in Oakland at the time, and you know when we would go wine tasting, we'd just sort of offer up help, trying to learn the process. And I met a husband and wife at a small winery in in Oakland, now in Alameda, called Urban Legend, um, and they sort of mentored me through that process. I uh, I went back to UC Davis and got my winemaking certificate, and eventually became their assistant winemaker. And, you know, everyone sort of warns you at the beginning, you have to be sort of crazy to get into this business. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it is a slippery slope, but definitely a labor of love. And now uh, we've been living in Livermore the last almost 10 years. And being part of this community has just been, it's, it's flown by. And all the people that I've met in this, in this wine community have um, just been super helpful and supportive. Okay, tell me a little bit about uh, Charles R. Vineyards. So Charles R. was bonded in 2002. It's owned by Dick and Barney Bartlett. They uh, opened the winery, and initially their son, Randy, was their first winemaker. He was a great winemaker, um, and unfortunately he passed away in 2011. So in the years between 2011 and 2018, they were really relying on a lot of neighboring wineries to help them make their wine, and they didn't actually have a resident winemaker. Mm-hmm. So um, I met them about three weeks before harvest started in 2018, and they invited me to come be their winemaker, and um, and it's it we've we became fast friends uh, since then, um, but we are a very small winery. 
We make less than a thousand cases a year. Okay, so why do that that small? Do they actually make money? <laughs> I don't write the checks. <laughs> hey, Phil, what do you think? A winery that small, do they make money? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. It seems like you would do that for your own personal enjoyment and you know your own seller. Sure, so sure. That's what I'm. That's, that's yeah. what I was. And you know, they, um, Dick and Bonnie have lived on the property for more than 40 years. Oh, okay. That's where the winery is, mm -hmm. and they have a, a very loyal following of, of club members and friends of the winery that have really created a, a community around them that I think. Regardless of the, you know, if it's a lot of money coming in one year or maybe, you know, the last couple of years have been rough, of course, as they have been for everybody through COVID. But um, I think they're really dedicated to their their loyal mm -hmm. followers and their friends and people who've, you know, just stood by them through all these years. Okay. Okay. So tell me about some of the wines you guys make over there. So we do, um, at this point, our, our largest production lots are about between 100 and 150 cases. We do Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, we do Zinfandel, Barbera. Um, we recently started doing Rosé in 2018. Yeah, That's right what here. we're drinking right here. here. Yeah, so um, so we. this is a, a Rosé of Sangiovese. Mm -hmm. These grapes come from Tracy Hills. Um, we had a long-standing friendship relationship with a, a wine grower there and and many of the grapes he grew were either Italian or Portuguese varietals who is that so Sanjo the, the grape I mean the grape grower not not Charles correct yes okay. but he obviously likes Italian grape varietals so we we do a, a mix um, mm -hmm. we do a couple Italian varietals being the Sangiovese and the Barbera mm -hmm. we do a couple of Portuguese varietals um, primarily for a port program that we use Tariga and uh, Cezao for. Mm -hmm. um, we've brought in a Tempranillo. Um, we've gone back to making a dry Tariga. You know, it's one of those things that every year you want to try something new, and all of a sudden you have all these barrels in the cellar. Okay, so how, how many wines are you guys so making? So we do a core of about six wines. Okay. And, and beyond that, we have a, a couple of of blends that we've started. Um, we do a, a Bobcat red blend, mm -hmm. uh, a Coyote red blend, and our upcoming blend will be Wild Boar, which are all named for animals you may see on the property while you're visiting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So is the property like a farm type of property? It's, um, it's a hundred acre property. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it, it starts off at um, a little sort of a very small valley uh, floor, and it goes up and over um, about 250 foot hillsides. Mm -hmm. um, so from the top of the the hill on the property, you can see over to uh, the Del Val Hills. If you're familiar, you can actually see the entire Livermore Valley from the top of the property, which is pretty impressive. Okay. <laughs> so you got to next time you're in town, you got to come visit yeah, us. We need to check that out. Yeah. Okay. So I see you. You guys are also making uh, Petit Syrah. Mm-hmm. And, and is that a good project? Um, yeah, the petite. So the petite Syrah, as well as the Cabernet, mm -hmm. have come from uh, Casa de Venus Vineyard. Um, our friend Julio Corabrubias. Oh, okay. Uh huh. And he he does right by us year after year. The fruit always, you know, is very consistent. Um, the petite Syrah has been one of our best-selling wines for 
the last several years. We're actually coming up to a, a bit of a shortage, so okay. <laughs> we're um, we're trying to rebuild that program back up. So, are you doing any cab franc at all? No cab franc no yet. Okay. Um, yeah, about <laughs> this yeah. year, the this year the new addition to the program was actually Carmenere oh, oh, from really? Casa de Venus. Yes. Where's those? Okay. So those UC, UC Davis cuttings that you guys are getting, what do you guys? Get you know, I'm from? not sure where his cuttings um, are from, but he he grows all six of the red Bordeaux varietals oh, really? on his property. So um, we were lucky enough to secure just we did just did one ton of Carmenere this year. How but many cases is that? Uh, roughly translates to, to about eighty five, mm-hmm. ninety cases. Yeah, like almost four barrels. About four barrels. Okay. Yeah. So this will be 2021, permanent. 21, yes. Uh, and then how was the growing season in 2021 here? You know, um, this the, like every season, you you never quite know what you're getting mm-hmm. and, and what to expect. Um, everyone said it was going to be really early. A couple things came in early, and the rest of it just sort of took its time. We pulled our last fruit uh, mid-October. Okay. So, right, you know, it was pretty pretty consistent with the last couple of years. The drought definitely has has been difficult to work with, but uh, the grapes that I've seen from 2021 so far are, are looking really promising. And what's your favorite wine that you enjoy making? <laughs> well, you know, I don't have children, but uh, I make wine. <laughs> So you can't say one's your favorite, I right? That, but you, um, you gotta, you, it depends on the season. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, so, no, so fair. we're coming off okay. summer. Uh, mm-hmm. Rosé was was my best go-to mm-hmm. summer wine. So this is this rosé is very dry. Yeah. Um, we tend to get a lot of strawberry and watermelon flavors oh, out of this. Um, has a, a bit of a supple mouthfeel to it. Mm-hmm. It's not super astringent, um, but this. We drank a lot of this throughout yeah, the summer. I, I, I call this like a boat wine, you know. Whatever. Very it's a boat easy, wine. yes. But but I, I think I wrote an article about rosé, and I thought the Italian rosés are getting better and better over, over the last few years. And, and I think rosé has kind of exploded a little bit in the U.S. also. Very good um, wine to make, absolutely. Yeah, this has been a fun program. Um, you know, when I did come in in 2018, one of the first things that uh, that Dick and Bonnie's daughter Karen had asked me was if I'd be willing to make a rosé. They had never made one before, so this was the first their, the first rosé, and it's been popular. And so this is our uh, our third vintage of of rosé for Charles right, R. Let's talk about. Uh, I want to say Zinfandel, but. I'm not going to say. Let's talk about Primitivo. All right. So this Primitivo comes from a very small uh, family-owned vineyard in Sonol. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't taken grapes from this particular vineyard for several years. So 2019 was the first vintage going back after a, a bit of a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a privately owned, you know, sort of obs- obsessive, like, dedication um, from the owner of the vineyard and he he takes care of everything from start to finish the biggest challenge in Sonol is is getting things hot enough especially for Primitivo Mm -hmm. so we always want to try and find that right balance of leaving the grapes on the vine long enough without uh, losing them to the birds Mm or (laughs) you know whatever else might pop up um 
This actually came out a lot uh, just beautiful, um, sort of exceeded my expectations all the way around. This is a very fruit forward, mm -hmm. not overly jammy, yeah. and you know, true to the sort of Zinfandel style, uh, it was aged in a blend of American oak as well as a Hungarian oak, which is a little different, but the, yeah, the, different. the spice profile does really well for this particular wine. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's, it's not hot at all. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a very elegant wine. I like it. Yeah, it's nice. Thank you. It's, it's easy drinking too, in a sense. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I decided to bring these to share with you because uh, we're actually releasing them just this coming weekend. Okay. So, so, at, so at your winery, you guys have a, pro, a program where you, a tasting room when you come in and taste and you get in the wine club and what's the tasting fee there so we are exclusively direct to consumer okay and we have a 15 dollars tasting fee um that fee gets waived you know the more wine you purchase it's complimentary to club members as well as up to four of their guests mm -hmm. and um we do different club events we have a this release coming up on saturday we typically have food and music and and we have a beautiful outside patio that uh kind of feels tucked away and and very private but uh is great for a, a good time okay so i spill this question i asked you too well, how do you how do you envision where you're going to be at and where the winery is going to be at in the next I know you're a young lady, I understand that, <laughs> oh, but next you. 10 years or so, you, what, what are you thinking? Um, I, I hope to still be in Livermore okay. making wine. <laughs> Let's start there. Okay, okay. I got you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, 10 years, that's a hard one, but uh, the next couple of years, I definitely still plan to be with Charles R. As long as they want to make wine, I will be making wine for them, and I think we would love to get to a place where we can... You know, make about a thousand, fifteen hundred cases. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the goal is to always be direct to consumer, and so if we can just keep it small, make those wines that everyone can count on, and, and wanting to keep back and buying more. All right, thank you, yeah. thank you, Lisa Lee, thank for a very you. nice conversation, <laughs> and keep making good juice. Cheers. Cheers.